Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. Completely live and not automated. This is No Agenda for Thursday, March 19th, 2009. This is No Agenda. Basking in the glow of government chemtrails in the Crackpot Command Center in southwest London, Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry. And from Gitmo Nation West, or the Gitmo Nation, or Silicon Valley North, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. We're getting better at that, aren't we? Well, I've decided to, uh, instead of goofing around, <laughs> to do a straight, you know, from I'm. Thank you. Uh, the uh, the company and uh, management thanks you. Yes. For, well, your, for your cooperation. I'm sick of the memos. <laughs> That's one thing we don't have. We don't have memo culture at uh, at Mevio, do we? We have meeting culture, but not not memo culture. Memo, actually, memo culture to me is better than meeting culture. Really, uh, I hate memo culture. I hate yeah, meeting well, culture right. too. Honestly. Well, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Between the two, I hate both of them myself. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather <laughs> sit at home in my underwear. But <laughs> at like now, case in point. <laughs> Wait, let me just turn on the camera stream. Which is why we don't want to get the people say, put, go use cameras. Why do we want to use cameras? That's the why? beauty of radio, yeah, exactly. of, this, of audio. You have no idea how I'm sitting, what I'm doing, what I'm wearing, or what I'm smoking, or how my tea tastes, but you really get an intimate feel. Right. And so, but, so I think it's a mistake. Yeah, I agree. And there's only a few people. I mean, I mean, how many people listen to this stream, show, stream, whatever we want to call it? Uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand. And how many really want to, you know, watch it? <laughs> Believe me, there's thousands who want to, I mean, not that we're going to do it ever, ever, uh, but there's lots of people who, who want to, it's, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's a big request from, uh, from thousands, but it, it just won't happen because I agree, it ruins it, ruins it completely. Yeah, I agree. So I've been doing a lot of work this past uh, week, John, or since we spoke on Sunday, and I'd like to share some of that work with you. Share, please share. share. Yes. So we have this uh, No Agenda Stream, noagendastream.com, where um, uh, after the show, uh, you know, I, it basically rolls out 24-7. We talked about it last week. And it has uh, a mix of uh, songs. And I've done a little bit of hacking around in the past couple days with this uh, all command line stuff. Remember we talked about command line uh, on Sunday and I was kind of getting back into that? Yep, and I really wanted to string stuff together and make my computer work for me for once. So I I delve back into my uh, what is it? Uh, the book is called Unix in a Nutshell. One of my favorite no. O'Reilly oh. publications. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot it's me now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Buzzkill. Twice in the head. Um, and so I I uh, and I found a great application called T T Y T T E R Titter. Uh, which, of course, TTY is for text terminal emulator or whatever it is, but TTY, TTER. And uh, so it's a, a script that I could actually work with that I could understand, and uh, it can do stuff with Twitter. So I've set it up where it can essentially follow an account, and when that account uh, updates, it uh, it brings down all of the uh, all of the you know the, or the twenty most recent tweets, strips out as much crap as possible, and then transfers it into text, uh, into speech, and then uploads it and puts it into rotation on the stream. So every I think six or seven songs, you get uh, some news. So I have the 
AHN, which is a Twitter that I've been following for a while, which delivers really nice headline news. And um, there's some other... As you're rambling here, um, I want to point out to people that this is actually the real Adam Curry you're listening to here. He is a nerd. Correct. Go, go on. And so I played with that for... Yeah, but you're, you're, what are you doing this for? I'm not getting it. You okay, said you get so, something... Okay, so, so the whole stream is automated. That's the whole point. And it's automated. The, the music mix is automated. What songs play at what times of day. You're talking now, about is, the stream that we have that... NoAgendaStream.com, correct. NoAgendaStream.com. No this, this is going to be streaming 24-7, I guess. Like, it's been streaming 24-7 for about a week now, yeah. And I have I've equated it, this, which I mentioned to you, with, with KPOP. KPOP. P, uh, which used to be a... Crap, I wasn't ready. In the morning. <laughs> yes, KPOP. KPOP, which was a, uh, a pop station, needless to say, uh, in that was located at Pacific Ocean Park in Santa Monica, which was a one of the last really great amusement parks down in Southern California. Had a, a very unique roller coaster and um, with two big dips in a row. And anyway, and it also had a ride to Mars, which was kind of a thrill. So uh, the Pacific Ocean Park uh, had this automated radio station. I think it was the first in the country. And this was like in the uh, a long 80s. time ago. 80s. Must have been 80s. No, I think, 70s even? I, no. I think it was in the 70s. Oh, it had tapes. It, cool. Yeah. They were. They had a bunch of computers. Supposedly, I don't know what these were, but they had all. They had these. Bank, you could look inside the place because it was glass. Had a glass wall. You'd look inside. There was nobody working it, mm -hmm. and they had these computers with these big giant reels of tape. Cool. <laughs> they were like the ten inch uh, yeah, yeah, tape, yeah, yeah. like the, the old BNC tapes. Yeah. And one of them would would be going, and then it would stop, and then another, and another one, one would, would fire up. Yeah, I another remember those systems. Sure, sure. Right. Another one would fire up with an announcer, your KPOP in mm -hmm. Santa Monica, listening to blah, blah, blah. And boom, it would stop, and then the next, another reel would start rolling again with all these songs on it. And it was like, wow, that was really cool for the, for its era. It was in the 70s. So the, the problem with automated radio stations is that they, they you know, they're not, there's nothing, there's no action going on. And this is... This is the real Adam Curry when it comes to radio. You know, you got to have something happening. And the mistake that people make with radio, terrestrial broadcast radio, is really for uh, geographic communities. That's when it works best, which is why Clear Channel is failing so badly because you can't have a guy sitting in Texas doing a show for Pennsylvania. It just doesn't work exactly. that way. Exactly. But you. Exactly. But radio also works, and that's where I'm taking the stream as uh, for a community of interest. So it's not huge. You know, a couple hundred thousand is our community of interest. So the songs that I'm putting on there, I think will relate. And that's, you know, something that I've, I've been programming songs and stations for most of my life. But then I really want some news and not, you know, not just regurgitated AP, but I do want AP, but I want it selected. So there are people out there who are selecting news already, Twittering that. So all I'm doing is bringing it down uh, and then turning it into a sound file, which actually on the Mac, uh, there's a built-in voice that doesn't sound too bad. Uh, and in context, it's kind of easy to understand because it's short. You know what it is. It's not like a book where you don't know what's going to happen or you don't know the, the topics of the day. So your brain can parse it a little bit easier. And today I took the final step <clears throat> and I set up a Twitter account. And that Twitter account is No Agenda Stream. If you send a, a direct tweet to it, so at sign no agenda stream, then your uh, comment will play on the stream within you know five to ten songs. You want to hear the most recent one? <laughs> <laughs> 
this is crazy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna get out of control, of course. And you know, I have no filtering on it. Yeah, for... you're gonna have a lot of it. Hey, <laughs> hey, you guys suck. You guys fucking suck, man. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me just update it just to make sure I have the most recent one. Uh, <laughs> this could catch on. Well, you know. It's, Another invention by Adam Curry. You should patent it immediately. No, no, no this is what's going to happen. It's gonna, man, you didn't invent that, man. We've been doing uh, command line stuff forever, dude. You didn't invent Twitter, did you? <laughs> yeah, Dave Weiner hey, invented You it. invented the MP3 player now all of a sudden? Or you invented streaming? <laughs> this, is, this is the life I have to lead. Well, just play the. Play Hold on, I'm just making sure. I'm just uploading the most the most recent one. It's, so I, it's on cron jobs and you know all this groovy stuff, right? It's. Uh, I'm quite proud of myself. Okay, here it is. Let me. Uh, so it's updated. I gave people a second there because there's a little bit of a delay on the stream. Let's uh, listen to it. Hold on. Fire up, bitch. Here are the most recent tweets from Gitmo Nation. From twitter.com slash no agenda stream. Steroid says, Hi Adam and Twitterers. I have a stream suggestion. How about inserting some highlight clips from previous shows? Nava has S. All of this says, Keep up the good work, crackpot and buzzkill. You <laughs> what do you think? Inspire. I like it. You can, you can, but you I mean, can, it's kind of creepy it. on the one hand, but the other hand, it's like, I, I can see people getting getting hypnotized by that. Well, it's cool because you, you're going to sit around and wait for your for your own tweet. You want to hear your own thing on the air, of course. And uh, and and you know the the trick is is to figure out how you need to write something so it sounds really good. For instance, when someone says when someone tweets Dvorak, the sound file and we should talk to Apple about that uh, doesn't parse it properly. It does a Dvorak type thing. Mm. Yes, listen to a couple Our more. podcast, all-this.com, thanks for keeping us informed. Jim Lunsford says, I would like to see the show go three times a week or shorten. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of those. <laughs> anyway, so that's up and running. Enjoy it. Have some fun with it. I'm not quite sure where we're going to take it. I do have a couple more ideas up my sleeve um, just to make this a, a, a real um, community of interest station, which I think is possible, and and a part of that will be song requests, and I'm working on that. Now this as well. got pub, this got PR written all over it. PR. I mean, I, you can get ink for this. Oh yeah. Oh, excuse me. I I just got a tweet from Mike Arrington. He can't wait to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm. Anyway, so that's what's uh, that's what I so and it was kind of nice to get back into that programming vibe, man. Just to. I, I, there were two days that I didn't even watch CNBC. Oh, woe is me. <clears throat> you mean C-SPAN? No, no, I watch C CNBC is on all day, and then I switch back and forth if, if I know there's something coming up. Because CNBC does cover a lot of on the U.S. CNBC, which I get through the sling box from our wonderful friend in Detroit. Uh, ah. uh, they, they are cut live to sometimes hours of testimony. And they're probably loving it. They're like smoking dubs, having martinis. You know, like, finally, don't have to do anything on the air. You know, Aaron's primping her hair. Mm. Aaron. Oh, yeah. I need to do a thing about for her, a, a, a jingle. <laughs> Aaron, been, the Council been, of Foreign Affairs babe. Uh, she's been assimilated, <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> but a lot, uh, a lot happening. 
quite a lot, and I'm I'm dismayed. I have to say that they're getting away with it. They're getting away with focusing not just the United States, but the entire world on $170 million of bonuses. Ooh, boy. Everybody look over here. Look over here. Don't look at the billions going out the back. Look over here. It is unbelievable. You know what? I'm not absolutely sure of why this is never brought. How many people are going to divide up that money? I mean, they make it sound like there's 140 they have million hundred thousand employees. AI. They have a hundred thousand employees. AIG. Yeah, so, I know. Is this is this 143 million to 143 people or 143 million people? I mean, I, I mean, what is the? We don't know. I mean, so what, the bonus may be minor, maybe 50 bucks a head for all we know. I mean, they don't say. Yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't matter. Know, it it's doesn't so, matter because it is a distraction. You're right. It's a complete distraction. And, it's, and it's look over here. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know this. It, uh, Elliot Spitzer wrote a great article in Slate. I think. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. And uh, he, and it's good when it comes from a guy like Spitzer because we know he likes hookers. Therefore, he's good in our book. He's a good guy. <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah, and by the way, he likes good hookers. Let's be honest. The man has yeah, some he's skills. He's not going for the girls that are wandering around. <laughs> no, no, no. He's going for the specialities. <laughs> so he says, you know, now that we know, because a lot of the counterparty names, so again, AIG, just for people who don't quite get it, you don't have to understand a lot about finance to understand that what AIG as an insurance company did was to insure money deals. Let's just put it that way. They're called swaps or CDOs or whatever, but money deals. And if a money deal went bad, then they would have to pay out uh, on for whatever that money deal was insured for, just like your house or your car or whatever, except they, uh, they were marketing their insurance on insurance on insurance and essentially, they now owe a whole bunch of people close to a quadrillion dollars. That's a th <laughs> that's a thousand Oops. trillion. Okay, a thousand trillion. So, and I watched a lot of this testimony with the the new CEO, and uh, what they're doing literally is they're just winding. He keeps saying, "We're winding it down. We're winding it down." Ergo, every time we put in money, then they're winding down one of those bad deals they made. But who did they make the deals with? Who did they agree to pay? It's Goldman Sachs. It's J.P. Morgan. A whole bunch of foreign banks. But literally, Goldman Sachs is getting this money. It, it just, it's, it's not going directly to them. It's going through AIG. It sits on their spreadsheet for a second, and poof, then it's pooped over to Goldman. And this is all going into the, into the same people's pockets continuously. And it's it's 180 billion AIG alone. And John, by the way, why don't we own 100% of AIG? Why only 80? As a shareholder, I'm getting a little pissed off. Uh, that's a good point. Well, they, 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 I think they, I think it's a political thing you where you say you we don't want to own 100 percent because then it's the same as nationalizing. We can't do that. Well, that's it. Oh, it's for the nationalization thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, links, by the way, for everything we discuss in the show notes at uh, noagenda.mevo.com, including that excellent article by uh, by our, our friendly hooker lover Elliot Spitzer. By the way, you know, a lot of people felt that Spitzer was so aggressive as the uh, as the state attorney general that, and he was going after all these guys that you know are in the news now that they had to get rid of him, and they set him up largely with the hookers, and you know they you know they put d detectives on him and everything oh, yeah. else to oh, get he, him out of the picture. Gee, you think? I mean, it, 
it, it, if he had shot himself twice in the head, it would couldn't have been more clear. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't <laughs> drop him in a small plane. <laughs> <laughs> Their favorite method. Yeah. Um, so in all of this, there's some interesting news that's come out that's uh, flowing around uh, the interwebs and the drop as well about politicians and how much they actually received from AIG. Have you seen this list? Have you blogged that yet? No, I, I don't know if we blogged it or not, but I, I've seen, I know the list. It's, it shows that you know, AIGs, these guys are bought and sold. We, we have yeah. a, a legislature that is just a bunch of sellouts. They don't care about the public. They're just into their own so selves. So who's at the top of that list? Well, I don't know who, Nancy Pelosi? Uh, no, try uh, Barack Obama. Oh, well, that's even better. $101,332 uh, in contributions from AIG. How does that work, by the way? I thought you could only donate 2000 bucks. Uh, you don't donate to the guy. You donate to a, uh, a, a shim, something in between, like, a, like the Democratic National Committee. You can uh. give them as much money as you want. And you do it in such a way that, you, you know, as soon as he's nominated, you know it's going to go to him. You give them a big pile of money to do with whatever they want. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be the DNC. It could be any number of organizations that are just kind of collectors of money. It's, you know, it's, something, it's a middleman that, that bypasses that, that restriction. So you know how I always say that there is absolutely no difference between the Republican and the, Dem and the Democratic Party because they're being run by the, same, by the same group of people. So just look at the top ten just for a second. Uh, the top ten uh, donations from AIG. Number one, actually, Chris Dodd, the man who approved the bonuses, the hundred and seventy, hundred hundred and sixty million dollars in bonuses. Uh, he received one hundred three thousand one hundred dollars from AIG. As I said, uh, Obama one hundred one three thousand thirty two. Number three on the list, John McCain, but he did get a, a lot less because you know they had to hedge their bet there. Fifty nine thousand four hundred ninety nine. Hillary Clinton, right after that, thirty five thousand nine hundred sixty five. If we'd actually seen these, you know. You would have thought Chris Dodd would have been president. <laughs> you know, well, Chris Dodd has got to be the worst of the bunch. He reminds me, if he had, like, uh, if, if he dyed his hair black, he could be in The Sopranos. He could be one of those, like, quiet guys that just stands up and shoots you in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Without Him and anything. Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Rah uh, Rahm Emanuel with his chopped off finger. They're mobsters, I tell you. Well, they sure act like it. I know Chris Dodd puts the screws to Silicon Valley, and they get, ends up getting a lot of money directly for his campaign from California. Really? What do you mean puts the screws to him? He has a couple of minor threats that he throws at him. Apparently, the way uh, financing is done f uh, with venture capital, there, there's a couple of tax loopholes that they take advantage of. And every once in a while... A and I'm told this from various sources. Reliable uh, he, sources. Yeah. Reliable sources that Dodd will, uh, you know, put the screws. Because, you know, that tax loophole there, uh, you know, that's something we could tax probably if we really. Oh, thank you for the check. We, uh, we, the stuff we talk about here um, on No Agenda and, and, the, and the, the loop is closing. A lot of it, you know, people will say, you're just crazy. That's nuts. And then all of a sudden it's on the front page like today. Financial Times, Fed moves to buy treasuries, stuns investors. Was it not four weeks ago that, that I said the Fed has just approved to buy treasuries? I mean, this was known information. Known information. <laughs> if, if yeah, every I... I, I I'm just as baffled by this this kind of uh, lag time uh, as you are. But it, But it's getting shorter, so... 
you know, well, that's going to make our job tougher. We will have to do three shows a week, but we can't do it unless people <laughs> contribute more. Wait, well, God, don't do the contri- contributions yet. I wanted to say that you, my friend, called one out so spot on the money it hurt. Yeah? We were talking about Jon Stewart and his uh, Kramer show. And you said, you know, he, you know, John Stewart must have really gotten burned by uh, by investments because he's probably pulling down a million a year, and he it seemed to take it very personal. Well, lo and behold, uh, John Leibowitz, because that's his real name, has a brother named Larry Leibowitz, who is the head of U.S. markets and global technology at uh, the New York Stock Exchange Euronext. <laughs> He also held high positions at Credit Suisse and Morgan Stanley. There's a great article on uh, page six in the New York Post that that even talks about um, a conversation that Larry and John were having in the elevator that someone overheard. You know, it's like totally, totally spot on the money. His brother got completely reamed because I guess he wasn't high up enough. And he, he probably just got destroyed by the system. And that's why John was taking it so personally. Well, I'm sure John relied on his brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what taking you Taking his do. advice, not... of course. Of course, yeah, taking his advice. I mean, that's, why, that's why we know Andrew Horowitz. <laughs> you know, his, uh, his, I saw his piece, the one that, that he got bumped for. Yeah. They turned that into a, a Samantha B piece. Yeah. No, it was a Samantha B piece from the beginning. Did he know how it was going to turn out? <laughs> no, no. In fact, he, t- t- you know, we actually talked about this. And it, t- you know, he, you know, they shoot a lot of you, they, they, they'll, they'll set you down. The whole thing is is literally pr- post post production. It's a post production job. They'll sit you down in this chair, and at some point, it's, okay, now just stare. Give me a blank stare. We got a little B roll here. Just blank stare. Now blink a lot, and it's just stare. Stare's fine. And then they'll do that bit with the, which they always do on John Stewart, where the where the personality yeah, doing something crazy does something crazy, and then they just show this blank look on the. Per- <laughs> I the love that. <laughs> but they were very kind and gentle with the Horowitz, and the reason we think is because the Samantha B took took a liking to him. Oh. It, it just I guess in the pre-interviews. Oh. And could not I just not not, slam a, not a romantic liking, a liking like well, maybe I can use this guy as my money manager. <laughs> no, really that's funny. Seriously. And so so why, you know, I don't think I want to get him too pissed off, so I'm going to I'm going to be real gentle, kind of gentle because it was the <laughs> softest thing I've ever seen on the John Stewart show. I <laughs> got through it okay. That was all right. He was worried sick. Oh, really? Oh, he shouldn't be. If if you do well, that, after you... I briefed him, he should have been because I told before <laughs> he got when he got booked, I started briefing him, you know, giving him pre, you know, some ideas of what they're going to do to him, oh, and because uh, he actually first thought he was going to like be <laughs> sitting at the desk with Stewart, and then I said I don't think so, and then we went into it, and I said oh, and I said who's it going to be? Oh, Samantha B. Oh my God! I said you've got to do this and that. <laughs> oh. It was a good one. Real- yeah, it was a good one though. I liked it. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, you know, it was like uh, uh, Horowitz is saying, "Yeah, it's good, make money," and then she talks to some some uh, CEO. Why didn't you just short your own stock? Make some money on your own company. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was, was 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 what was the name? It was the, I forgot what company that was. But that CEO was the biggest whiner I have ever seen. Yeah, funny. So um, meanwhile, back in the real world. 
not time for real news yet, John. Um, the corporate or the uh, the commercial real estate bubble is now starting to pop, and the yeah, stories about are time. yeah. And the, well, but it's sad. Um, link in the show notes to a story from MSNBC.com about a uh, an apartment complex in Arizona, three hundred and twenty unit apartment complex. They noticed the weed starting to grow and the pool started to turn green. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a term for that. It's, it's, it's called, I think it's called green pooling or something. There's, oh, I'm the, sure there is, yeah. Because there's all these pools, especially through Arizona, which really got hit hard. Then they'll put pools everywhere, which you need in Arizona. And um, so they're all turning green because nobody's there to you know add the chlorine. Right, so the, uh, the company that uh, owned the property or ran the property... Uh, what is it, uh, Bethany Holdings Group. You know, they basically went out of business, but they just l- literally left town, hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars of properties. These people are paying eight, $900 a month for a one-bedroom apartment with a, a green pool. And uh, so, you know, that's obviously a problem. But where it really, really hits people is these corporations, they didn't pay the water bill. They didn't pay the electricity bill. So, oh. so there's like, you know, a $100,000 water bill that these tenants then have to come up with otherwise the water gets shut off <laughs> it's, it's not funny and this no, is it's pathetic it's totally pathetic so um that's how it starts and uh, i'm sure we'll be reporting on a lot more of that in the future well yeah well it's got to bottom out here I noticed that you haven't been using that. You feel the bottom yet, John Gag? No, because which you seem to have stopped about two months ago. <laughs> yeah, because I called the bottom. It hit it. It went even below it, and it will go down to six thousand. I've told you that. And six, we had six 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 on the S and P. It'll go back uh, back there. And the reason why I know is, first of all, and people don't realize what happened yesterday. Of course, the way it was reported with this Fed buying Treasuries and pouring trillions of dollars. They really just said, hey, 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 everybody, um, uh, don't look over here because uh, the printing presses are rolling. We're making up some money, everybody. Well, you know, the printing presses should be rolling when we have, an, when we have a deflationary period. Uh, so I don't find this to be a bad thing. I mean, that's what the Fed's supposed to do is balance, you know, get these things no, 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 to, the, to stabilize. We don't, no, no, the Fed doesn't. What do you mean the Fed is supposed to do that? We don't need that's the Fed. Do. That's what they do, but they do it for themselves, not for Johnny and Adam. But they, they're they supposed to be doing it for us, you and me. Oh, 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 okay, thanks. They're supposed to be doing it. Well, they did a good job. They did that little buy, and boom, the market goes up again and starts to stabilize. I think this is fine. I don't see it. But, I think it's over. Are you kidding me? <sighs> You think it's over? <laughs> no fucking way. They've they've just printed trillions more. John, maybe we might have fifteen, twenty trillion dollars out there that's new and been created. Either it's gonna have to be paid for with taxes, printing, or borrowing. This is this is not sustainable. Just, I think we're I think we're I think the bad the bad times are over. We're heading to good times. Okay. Okay. Well, um, we're not. <laughs> well, I mean, but you say that all the time, and you're a gold and I, bug. And, can you turn your speaker down just a little bit? Well, you're yelling is the reason to speak coming through this. Well, what's the problem here? Your speakers, because you refuse to wear headphones, or my yelling? I used the headphones in the other house. And it, you sounded great, and now you're back to your own bland self. 
<laughs> Bland. So here's what's happening. The G20 is taking place in uh, London, April 2nd, I believe it starts. The, the, the G20, the 20 most powerful governments in the universe, come together. The finance ministers, that would be our Treasury Secretary Geithner, um, all came together earlier um, or uh, late last week. And um, here's what's going to happen. Uh, as predicted, the global bank that uh, I see coming is going to be the IMF. They've now uh, agreed that they're going to create these SDRs, Special Deposit um, Rights, I think it's called, um, 750 billion of them. And it's just making up a new currency, just making up a new amount of stuff. And every country that runs into trouble will borrow from the IMF under the same terms and conditions the IMF always gives to countries like, you know, countries in Africa. And uh, if you can't pay it back, then we own you. And so uh, that is now well underway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All is well. I think it's, so. Uh, uh, did you notice? I don't know you if you were on the on the Slingbox to watch sixty minutes this last week. Uh, Bernanke, uh, I saw bits and pieces of it. I'm sure that's what you're referring to. Yeah, Bernanke was on shaking. By the way, because you know they like to put the real. They like to br- zoom really the CBS close, really close. They zoom the camera. He was shaking. He, yeah, he was. His his lips were. He was quivering. Yes, he was he nervous. Was quivering. Well, I think he was, yeah. He definitely was nervous. And he also had a bit of spittle right in the middle. <laughs> Do you just of want his... to go wipe off? Like, dude, dude, dude. Yeah, dude. well, it was between, right in the middle of his mouth, glued to the top and lower lips at the same time. So no. every time he opened and closed and said anything, there was this gob of, of, oh, of goop. spit. Oh, you know, but people have like those white, white lines that then stick to their lips. When they're talking yeah, to you? Yeah, that's what it was. It oh, was no! Oh, God. It was horrible. Oh, I was you... watching this. I was cringing. Oh. I was like, why doesn't the guy say, hey, you got hey, you, a dude, gob of spit? spit. <laughs> so anyway, so he's go talking disgusting. with the spit going. Oh, that's so and, wrong. And I don't know what he said, to be honest about because it was so distracting with this gob of spit <laughs> that I, don't, I wasn't listening to him. I, I don't know you uh, know what the whole point of this interview was. Well, this is... He tried pro- to explain the system. Well, this is part of the initiative. I, I've... I figured it out. You know, it's a big PR thing that that's being just rammed down our throats. The president is going on the um, Tonight Show tonight with yeah. Jay Leno. And, yeah, I got to get that on tape. And the twenty fourth, which is what is that? Uh, Tuesday. I don't know. Is it? Uh, he's he's going live to address the nation. I mean, it is the desperation must be so high, or the, or just another. You know, reiteration of the message. It's, well, maybe uh, they've they've taken the hint that they've got to say something positive. No, he's not. I'll bet you a cigar he ain't going to say anything positive. You think he's going to go? It's just going to get worse before it gets better. That well, pitch again? That yeah, sucks. He's got to because you know they they're trying to move this stimulus uh, this package through, which I guess hasn't been voted on. And you know, no one wants to. They don't. Want, they're not even taking a vote because of all this bonus crap and you know all, all this just stuff. All these distractions. So yeah, he's going to go out there and say we got to do it. And Tim Geithner rules. That's basically what he. That's the message he's been giving. Well, the well, at least Bernanke gave something of a positive message, even though it didn't influence the market much. Although it didn't kill it either, like usual. I mean, the way it usually works is that when either Geithner or uh, Obama speak, and, and Horowitz has talked about this, the market tanks the next day. Yeah, because they're sending the wrong message. 
Well, maybe they want the market to tank. Thank you. Okay, there we go. Welcome to my side of the fence, John. Exactly. The whole thing, the Kramer thing, it's, it's, it, I mean, look, who runs By the way, the NBC. Kramer thing, they're obviously out to get Kramer, and they're trying to get him he's off being, the air. He's, I mean, he's, he's not, yeah, they're not going to take him off the air. He's just a, it's a distraction. It's just go look at Kramer. Go look at that guy. Go be angry at him. Go be angry at, uh, at the AIG people. Go be angry with everybody except the people who actually did it, like uh, Chris Dodd, Barney Frank. Barney Frank, the guy who, who had transsexual hookers running an escort ring from his Washington, D.C. apartment, from his condo. And it's unbelievable that they let the He's running the banking committee. They, they, so they're doing this, uh, um, the testimony with the, the new chairman of AIG. And there were all the pink ladies were there, the pink ladies who wear pink T-shirts, and they're holding up signs that say, Fire Geithner. And they're not disrupting anything, but they're just holding up signs. And so they go through the whole opening statement, you know, the, the, the first bit of uh, testimony from, uh, what's it, what, uh, I forget his name, the CEO. And, uh, and then the, whoever's running the panel says, okay, now, the ladies in Liddy. pink. Yeah, Liddy. Uh, ladies in pink, uh, you have to put the signs down. They have to be, either you can give them, uh, give them up or you'll be removed from the, from the, from the hearing. So like, oh, nice free speech. So they give up their signs. And then Barney Frank says, oh, I'm glad they didn't uh, have any slogans on their T-shirts. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. The guy is just doing stand-up. <laughs> he went poorly. Oh. Those are the people who are running everything. God. Um, so, uh, yeah. in more interesting news... There's a uh, a new uh, f- a new food show on NBC, um, based on kind of it's called Chopping Block, and I think this stuff is all passe. Now I want to talk about food for wine and food for a minute because people like to hear about it, and I like to talk about it. So they got this guy Marco Pierre White. Have you ever heard of him? No. I guess he was like an early he was a celebrity chef of some sort pre Emerald back in the late 90s and he went off to become just a kind of an entrepreneur and he's he's kind of like a second rate uh, even though supposedly according to his bio he's the guy who who trained or one of the guys who trained Gordon Ramsay uh-huh. even though if you listen to Ramsay it's mostly French guys so he's got this show called Chopping Block which is a clone of Hell's Kitchen mm-hmm. but this guy's got no personality and but he but beca- because of him existing uh, they give him credit for being the first Brit to win a three stars, and I'm looking at all this stuff and saying this isn't true. But then I realize, oh, wait a minute, that- is is this the guy who everyone got food poisoned? Is that right? Oh, the, the one of the celebrity TV chefs had to close his restaurant two weeks ago because everyone. This is the guy that does the blowtorch stuff and the nitrous oxide to cook. You ever seen that guy? No, he doesn't cook anymore, so it can't be him. Well, let's look this up. Uh, I had it on the list for two. Well, go ahead, finish your story. I'll look it up. I don't know. I mean, it's not you going anywhere. You were just anywhere. talking shit. It wasn't going anywhere. That guy was, um, yeah, he, um, they, 400 people got sick from eating his food. <laughs> his three-star Michelin restaurant. Here it is. He's not Top on restaurant the- close due to food poisoning. He's off our list. Celebrity of Heston Blumenthal. There you go. Never heard of him. No, he does a show here, TV show, and he cooks with, with uh, interesting things. Well, that's terrible. 
Jane Seymour has food poisoning, according to celebrity gossip. Hold on a second, will you? Jesus, you're going way too fast. <laughs> and now, back to real news. <laughs> Tell me, what's going on with Jane Seymour, one of my favorite mills? She had mills. food poisoning, the oh, poor lady. poor woman. So she wouldn't, uh, didn't she? I guess this was some while ago when she was on Dancing with the Stars. Anyway, the point is, is that one thing, so I was like watching this thing. I said, this guy stinks. So I did a little research on him, and I started looking stuff up. And he, yeah, maybe he stinks as a TV personality. But he's, he makes a lot of interesting points if you start looking him up on the web. He comes and shows up with Tony Bourdain a lot. He shows up to mostly complain about this about the food scene as it now exists with these eighteen course dippy shit menus and all this kind of hoity-toity crappy. You know, he's trying to push people back to what we're doing. You're in town now, which is go to some good place that has a real simple, nice, tasty, outstanding small menu, and then tell people about it. I think that the worm has turned and that <laughs> all this gourmandism is, is coming to an end. And I think this show is probably going to... It's going to be uh, leading the charge. The yes, we are indeed moving it up. We missed a great moment, which is not available uh, on video uh, because it was a, only a pool reporter. This is what a lot of these mainstream companies do is, you know, so ABC will have an affiliate somewhere and then they'll do the pool video for everybody. I guess it's, they must have some kind of sharing agreements, kind of like peering agreements in a way between all these stations. So you don't have you know, the, basically to cut down on news organizations uh, all standing there where the million cameras, they, they send one guy or they have one one station or one. Yes, team the pool has been going on since the 60s. Well, unfortunately, uh, we missed a great moment in uh, a great Irish moment with Irish Prime Minister Brian Cowan. Uh, he was uh, uh, doing an address with Barack Obama. They were together you know, for uh, St. Patrick's Day. He was in Washington, and he's reading off the teleprompter, the prime minister, and then he realized... Uh, oh, yeah, he had we just, blogged this. Yeah, but there's no video of it. He repeated, he was because they, they still had the president's speech up there, and he was repeating the president's speech, and then the president gets back up, and then they, but by then they had switched it back to the guy's speech, and then then Obama winds up thanking himself. <laughs> Thank you, President Obama. He just reads it straight off the prompter. This prompter thing is out of control with this guy. But they, but the video has been has been completely annihilated. It's nowhere. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, it, the pool was it was shot by um, APTN. So they yeah. uh, they didn't. Yeah, that's it. our news. There's there's the great news there's organizations news, like, at work. Yeah, finally, finally, some real news that we can use. And well, that's something funny. Anyway. Yeah, it's just nuts. So the restaurant where the guy poisoned people was the Fat Duck. Yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah. Just staying on the news for a second. Have you heard of these background briefings? Do you know what these are? Well, yeah. Okay. So there was. This is all in lieu of transparency. The uh, oh yeah, you're checking the transparency site. How's it doing? <laughs> I have, I, I'm afraid to go look at uh, edrecovery.gov just just because of the stuff I'm reading elsewhere. The White House on Monday held one of these super secret background briefing calls, and the way it works is you're uh, allowed to, uh, as as a member of the press, you're allowed to be a part of the briefing, but you can't actually report on it. Which yeah, it just blows me away. It's been going on forever. I thought, but I thought this was going to stop. I thought. Uh, trans- I guess it hasn't. I thought transparency was in our future. 
that's a lie. <laughs> no way. You're kidding. We have no, a, we've been duped. We have a. I wonder how long it's going to take for some of the people who voted for Obama to realize they've been duped. I don't think anyone. You know, we're still in the. Hey, man, it's only been two months. Yeah, right. Uh, Pretty soon it's going to be, hey, man, it's only been six months. It's yeah, only been a year. Yeah, man, give him 100 days at least. Come on, man. I have, uh, oh, boy, I uh, actually have some. And now, back to real news. Animal rights protesters target Jamie Oliver, celebrity chef, over pork campaign. But this is actually a protest I can really stand behind. Because they're protesting, uh, that's PETA, of course. And they're protesting naked in cages on all fours, the women of PETA. Outside Wait a minute, you're telling street. me that the PETA women are naked in cages on all fours? Yeah, you got to see the picture. Hold on, let me, uh, it's awesome. I, think I hope you have a link to it to our, to our audience. Of course, of course. That shall be in the show notes at uh, noagenda.mevio.com, curry.com, and uh, cagematch.dvorak.org. Check, out the, check it out, man. Naked vegans. Mm. Animal rights protests target Jamie Al. Oops. Did I just lose you? Although I have no, to say... I, well, no, I'm loading the, uh, the the page is loading, so I get you get crunched. Uh huh. But wait a minute, one of these girls it has tattoos all over, and and she's double jointed. Her uh, her arm is double. Ooh, that's kind of freaky. Oh, she's pregnant. I think they're both pregnant. Excellent, naked, hot, pregnant vegan chicks. Well, the hot is uh, dubious. Oh come on, John. They're hot. Like, what are you getting? I say, go Jamie Oliver with your naked, hot, vegan, pregnant chicks. In the morning. Everybody. Well, it's definitely an unusual protest. <laughs> I'm all for it. I don't care what they're protesting. Yes, New World Order is good. Just bring me more naked, pregnant, vegan chicks. We have a, a widget for No Agenda. Which will be in the Do show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our listeners, man, they're awesome. They're really helping out in more ways than one. Q. Q. Let me kill this page because it just keeps refreshing. I gave you a Q, man. I set you up. So, um, okay, what else? Oh, you set me up for something? I, yeah. I dropped the ball? No, I said our listeners are really great. They're helping us out in more ways than one. Yeah. Oh, you mean you want me to go on about? By the way, we said we were going to mention the the contributors who who gave us fifty or a hundred dollars. Yeah. And we have to do that probably more often because there's actually so many. I, we have to let me. Re, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Let me read off the names of the people who gave us fifty bucks. Now this is of course for the uh, Adam Curry John C Dvorak Library slash Winery. Uh, there are no uh, ads on this program. Uh, we've moved it to two shows a week. Uh, we bring you a twenty four seven audio stream with real news you can use. You can even control what happens on the stream. Uh, we're working towards three days a week, which would constitute a real job. So these donations. Uh, keep us uh, keep us working, and we appreciate it. As it were. Okay, uh, let me just go. There's Douglas Brown. Thanks to him. Uh, XMFan.com, which is what it came in as. Then there's a, 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 a Icelander. Uh, now, this is all $50 or more. 
These are fifty dollars. I'm going to do the hundred dollar guys separate, and then you can give them an in the morning. Oh, in the morning. Sorry, I, I misfired. So Hen Henrik Bayurlo, and it's it's a guy. He had to send me an email saying, "Here's how you pronounce my name," and I think it's Bayurlo. And it's, it's, it's spelled B-J, and then there's this weird O oh, oh, that's oh, got a line, line through it. It looks like the number zero. Bajor, bajor yeah. Oh, it's B-J, that weird O-R-L-O, and it's uh, pronounced Bayurlo. Bayur, we also have a guy that sent us some money from Warsaw, who's, I had to go to uh, get his name pronounced, which is Mikko Y. Uh, Lachinsky. So that's Excellent. out of the way. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Are those the 50s? Yeah, but here's some rest of them. Uh, uh, Sammy Zahabi, Boris Prince, if that is indeed his real name. Uh, and then there's Wouter Kalu Kalugin. That would which be is, think, Wouter, probably. Wouter, okay. V it's W-O-U-T-E-R. Yeah, this is an international audience we've got. Yeah, this is a Dutch guy. A Dutch guy, it's got to be. And it's K-O-E-L-E-W-I-J-N. K-O-E... What? K-O-E-L-E-W-I-J-N. Kulevan. Oh, wow. Thank you, Walter Kulevan. In the morning. <laughs> Keith Brown, John uh, Kilburn, Bill Gilliam, Chris Guilin, Thomas Mitchell. There's an easy one. Tristan Lennon, Paul Tang, Marco Friesen, who actually sent us $66.60. Oh, that's awesome. You get an in the morning. In the morning. Excellent, As thank you. I, I love that. The, the mark of the beast. Uh, Craig Dashnow, Bob Rath, I guess that's Rathmel, uh, Kenneth Kochi, Steve Forehand, which is a great name for a tennis player. <laughs> uh, and his cousin, Pete Foreskin. <laughs> and Felix Comici. Uh, Chad Watson, Ben Richard, Aaron Parsons, Eon Boje, I think it's B-O-J-E, uh, another tough one. Then we have Matthew Donahue, who also sent us $66, but he sent $66.66, which kind of is wrong. Yeah. And he's got to, you know, but that's okay. We appreciate uh, Francis it. Gu Francis Guari, uh, Chin Chan Chu. <laughs> Chin, uh, hold on, Chin Chan Chu? Where's Chin Chan Chu from? If, He's from the United States or Missouri or something. If Chin Chan Chu Chan's in the Chin Chan, how many Chin Chan's does Chin Chan Chu? I'm sure he'll appreciate that. You can record that Chin Chan or Chu. Um, Hold on. All let, right. Let me so that's that the. All right. Yes. Now, now give these guys an in the morning because these guys gave us $100 or more. There's only Excellent. one, two, three, four, five. Um, Do all the names and then I'll give them the in the morning. Okay. Greg Birch. Andrew Green, Thomas Peterson, and Jason at VegasUndressed.com, who gave us the most. He gave us $400. No, no, no. He didn't give us $400 because we actually had a he, conversation he, about this. He gave us $420.09. Right. He gave us four. Sorry. You're and, right. And, and, and he, neither... That, that you didn't get it, okay. That I didn't get it is a travesty. That your wife Mimi got the code and that she understood it blew me away because, of course, 420 is... And she uh, hates drugs, by the way. Oh, cool. But, yeah, four, it was 420 and 9 cents. And so you say to me, what is this? What is, what is this? The guy's crazy. And I said, no, 420 equals marijuana. Uh -huh. And you, oh, my God, what an idiot. And then the 09 is obviously the, For 2009. the year. 2009. Hey, wait a minute. So, yep. so Mimi hates drugs? I, I guess the wife swap idea is off then. 
<laughs> she does. She does not a drug use, especially smoking stuff because her both parents died of lung cancer. What was uh, what was the guy's website again? Know that. What, Sorry. What was the guy's website again? Yeah, a VegasUndressed.com. He has a couple of videos there. It, it looked to me like he had some hooker stuff on there too. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look to the bottom right. <laughs> all right, for all of you, and, and obviously the people who donated over $100. In the morning. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Almost now, if anybody news. didn't get mentioned uh, as of this moment, uh, send me an email, john at Dvorak.org, and I'll uh, find out, figure out why I could have been overlooked. There's also Brian, oh, I'm sorry, $50 from Brian O'Keefe, who actually sent a check. Oh, very nice. So. Kevin uh, writes in and says, uh, Adam, I thought you might be interested to know something I found out about Iridium. Now, of course, Iridium is a part of the satellite network that uh, is completely run by the military and that recently crashed into uh, the Russian satellite, the start of the space war, which apparently caused all this debris, right? I mean, the space shuttle couldn't launch. There were all these things going on, lots of space debris. Oh, it's going to be so horrible. Reports, front page news. Well, I work for a company that sells Iridium satellite and bandwidth slash equipment. I asked someone I know that works directly for them, and he said the collision has been misreported, that the satellite was not destroyed. It was only a glancing blow that did not leave any debris other than one more dysfunctional satellite that was knocked out of orbit. I'm not sure if there are any implications of this, but thought you might think it was interesting. Yes, I do. So wow. they're saying that so on the one hand, there's supposed to be all this debris, all this shit going on. And then directly from sources, we find out that nothing really crashed apart. There was no explosion. It wasn't like Star Wars where Darth Vader zapped someone. It just boink. It was like, it was like space balls. <laughs> boink. <laughs> Bumped into each other. So why would, they, why would all this debris stuff come up then all of a sudden? What is that about? Presuming that Kevin has the inside dope on this. Well, we'll assume so. I mean, we don't know. We can't mm, confirm it, but it makes some info, sense. Yeah. It's saying, why would somebody send us a note like that? I always ask, uh, unless they're trying to feed us disinformation. What would be the point? No, he's not trying. I think he's trying to feed us good information. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking yeah. too. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So let's assume it is. So what was the point of all these these discussions about all this debris all of a sudden? By the way, if there was, if those things busted into a million pieces anyway, it would. I mean, how much? Uh, you know, the space. It's a pretty big. If you start doing the calculation, the likelihood of ever running into any piece of debris in that uh, troposphere or above the troposphere, you know, considering the square miles, it's like running into a, a, a log in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You know, it's just pretty hard to do. Well, there's someone's lying somewhere. And why? Why is the question? That's what we want to know. We do more than just, by the way, I forgot to mention at the end of that is the mention of all those names. That is Dvorak.org slash NA if you want to contribute to the show because we can use your help. Or, um, or as an easy shortcut, noagendalibrary.com. Either one. That's an easy so, shortcut. So uh, the point is, is that one of the things we try to do here is we try to get to the why of a story, right. which I don't think anybody does anymore. No, I mean, it's much easier to take. Huh? I see the. And you know what's worse? And it's, we should also mention that we seldom get to the why. We, we don't have any clue what the why is. Well, no, no, what it does unfold because we set people up. You start, then people start paying attention to stuff. As an example, so we're talking about Afghanistan. By the way, 50% of uh, people polled in the United Kingdom do not know why we're in Afghanistan. Uh, and honestly, I think uh, if you ask any politician, the only answer they come up with is uh, what, to save that country uh, uh, to, from horrible demise. That's the only thing they can say. 
But then when we keep talking about it, and you know, I'm I'm 100% convinced that uh, 90% of the mission is to protect the poppy fields so that uh, good drugs, good heroin can continue to flow in uh, to the West. Um, and so on military craft, basically being sold, the government's in that. That money then gets flushed through Wall Street. So, no, you know, uh, yeah. it keeps the economy going. Well, so here we have um, from Australia, global opium production is at an all-time high. Australia is wow, at risk. unbelievable. How does that work? <laughs> Australia is at risk of a new flood of heroin, the Australian National Council on Drugs has warned. Uh, I love this. Uh, it was. Uh, it's back at the levels just before use exploded in the late 1990s. So it's exploding now. The latest figures show the number of border detections of heroin in Australia were the highest on record. <laughs> and, it, and it literally says in the article it's all coming from Afghanistan and from uh, Burma. Well, dude, <laughs> how can it? How can it be? Are all is no one looking? And they're just kind of, they got a whole bunch of camels, a whole bunch of keys hanging on there. There's no military here. I'll just kind of walk away with it. It's all drugs. Well, they always said, you know, who's the guy that told us that Karzai is the world's biggest drug dealer? Oh, uh, the guy from uh, the Afghan who runs the, the shop up the street. Right. I made a, <laughs> That's where we get our news, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I th- you know what? I trust that guy more than any other report I'm reading. I I, uh, I cut a, a DVD. I like this guy. I cut a DVD for him of uh, Alex Jones's The Obama Deception. I said, uh, here, dude, I just want you to watch this because you, th- you feel horrible that your country is fucked up. Take a look at mine. <laughs> you tell me which one you'd rather have. At least, you know, you, you can point a weapon and solve yours. We, our, our guys are so embedded that we're completely screwed. The whole system is yeah, I don't understand why the media doesn't get on the street more and get some of this stuff. Yeah, this is what really bothers me. You know, I went to, to Israel shortly after the uh, first Iraq war during this era where you had, what's his name, that one reporter called the Scuds stud who was always ducking you know, oh yeah yeah that was the, that, that was 93 wasn't it 92? something like that yeah. so i'm over there and i'm talking to these just the people they say yeah when they scud attacks were taking place they would be people would put chairs out on the on the watch because <laughs> it. it was a hell of a show because these things were such junk that they'd usually go up in the air and blow up about halfway <laughs> And he said that, and the guy, one guy said to me, he says, you know, and I said, well, did that, you get to see this Patriot missiles knock them out of the air. And this is before the, the real story came out. He says, no, those, no, everybody knew those things couldn't hit anything. They'd never hit one of them. No, and, and those Patriots would go, foom, 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 and they'd be done, right? Gone. Yeah, and, but it was apparently a fun show to watch, and, you know, as long as one of them didn't happen to land on your roof, but which was, you know, unlikely. But, uh, you know, so I said, you mean the Patriots don't work? No, they don't work, and everybody knows it. <laughs> so you go back to the United States and all oh, these Patriot missiles and, you know, we need the next generation. They're talking about how they were working. And then I noticed about three or four years later, which is what happens with all these news stories, the truth comes out that the Patriot missiles never worked ever. They were bogus. It was just to make people feel, think something was going on that was working. And I wonder, you know, and I, I see this a lot. You see this, you know, this, you know, you talk about the delay and the in the truth actually hitting the streets. So sometimes it goes on for years because nobody wants, you know, they, when the fuss is over, you know, you can you can say, yeah, well, they never worked in the first place. So you should have known better. Uh, I find this distressing that there's so much of this. Uh, 
kind of thing. I mean, why why don't we get this more? I mean, it's just a, why why are the two of us even talking about? It? it Doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm completely baffled. And of course, meanwhile, all these local newspapers, the the Seattle. Yeah, went belly up. Yep. Closed its doors for the print edition on Tuesday. I'm looking for a copy for the collection for the library. Oh, the last, the last edition. Yeah. I think I have a wall of them. Oh, for the yeah, library, but, of course. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I got the one for the Rocky Mountain News. I got that one. Somebody yeah. sent that. So I just need this one. Then I'll need the Chronicle, which I can usually pick up. That'll go under probably in the next two months. And uh, you know, they'll be they'll be happening everywhere. Now, one of the things that's interesting about these newspapers folding, besides the fact that I believe much of the reasons they're folding is because they're not giving the public good information, too many features and, and you know brain-dead stories and AP wire service crap, which is from a propaganda mill. Uh, but, you know, this actually began – people blame the Internet. I don't. I oh, blame yeah. the Ma- They blame Max. They blame the Internet. They blame Google. They blame everybody. Yeah, they blame everybody. But the fact is, this started to happen in the 70s. That's why Nixon had to implement the joint operating agreements so these newspapers could, like, ride on each other's coattails. What to was, try to what stay was in the business. joint operating agreements? What was that? The joint operating agreement showed up in the, uh, during Nixon put it in place. Which The, the idea in the, the newspapers were having so, struggling so much in various cities, Detroit being one of them, and I think that may have triggered the joint operating agreement. And the idea was that the, the local the newspapers that were in uh, a metropolitan area could pool their resources. In other words, they could split the revenues from a couple of functions, namely classified advertising and, or just general advertising. Because before that was, that was, that was, that was deemed anti-cartel uh, or whatever, or anti-competitive? Well, I mean, it, well, it was Pat. I mean, dude, nobody ever threw it out. Uh, okay. But anyway, the idea was you could pool your, your money, the money you made, and split it up, and you could also pool your resources for delivery. So, you, so two newspapers in the same area didn't have to have two sets of trucks. Uh, so they jointly di- did joint distribution, and the, all they would compete with would be for subscribers. And even though they decided that, well, why bother? So they just, you know, they just made things worse. But the the fact of the matter was, papers were already folding back during the Nixon era because of television news, and uh, they've just been on a downward decline ever since. And it's just the internet just put the nail in the coffin for classifieds. That's about it. But that was, I guess, the last nail that was needed, and now all these guys are screwed. Yeah, we used to have horse and buggy drivers, and we used to have a music industry. You know, shit changes. But it does bring up an interesting point, John, because there's one topic that is not being discussed at all anywhere in any mainstream media, and I know why, uh, but I'd like to pick your brain about a couple things because you're such uh, a historian. The hardest thing for any news outlet to bring up is the relationship between the United States and Israel. Because, you know, particularly, I'd say in print, maybe even worse than uh, radio or television, one, one word, one nuance, one comma, one apostrophe, one little thing placed in the wrong spot, and you're an anti-Semite, which, is a, which makes it very, very difficult for people to talk about. But we cannot ignore... We just cannot ignore the news that is coming out. You know, there's a, there's a new government installed in, uh, in Israel, and uh, there's all kinds of weird shit going on. My first question to you, because I'd really like to understand it, why, you know, we, we already know why uh, America and the United Kingdom have a special relationship, because the UK are, you know, basically butt lickers, and they'll do whatever the president says. 
Um, <laughs> but what is what is the, the special relationship with Israel based on, and why is it so special? And when did this start? Well, I think it started with World War II, but well, uh, obviously after World War II, when when the state was created. But there was some, you know, this is a good question. And I watched these these specials on this, and uh, I, I'm kind of baffled by it myself. It's not that I think Israel should go away because it's probably the only productive country in that whole region. And they have, uh, I mean, it's just when you go floating around down there, it's, it's obvious that they have more on the ball. Because, well, uh, let, let me cut straight to the chase, and let, let, me just take the, let me just take the heat for saying it. But the one thing you're never allowed to say is that there are a lot of Israeli citizens or people from Israel, I'm specifically not saying Jews because it has nothing to do with being Jewish, but Israelis who are embedded throughout our government right now. You mean like Rahm Emanuel? Well, it's not, but it's, it's, yeah, obviously Rahm Emanuel, but that's not, he's not the only, well, just look at all of the, yeah, Greenberg, who was uh, the CEO of AIG before Liddy, he's an Israeli, okay? There's um, Larry Silverstein, who bought the World Trade Centers, uh, you know, two weeks before they were destroyed and collected $4 billion in insurance money, Israeli. Uh, Mort Zuckerman, Israeli. Is there something? Are, are we maybe under threat from Israel? Is that is that possible? They are a nuclear state. Well, there's a. Uh, no, I have no idea. <laughs> Christ, John! I'm, I'm like I think he's going to answer. He's got an answer. He's got something for me. Uh, no, uh, but now that you mentioned, I think I'm going to look a little more into it. Uh, I'm not sure. I think the idea is there. I mean, I, I, it's got some. Here's if you're going to go to your basic way of looking at things. My, my simpleton way, I, way. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the way I would see it is that Israel is there to protect the is to there as a buffer state, a buffer state, which mm. is what they are, not you know, a buffer state to help us have access to the Middle East oil in any way we can. And uh, so I would have to assume that we've got, we're talking about the Middle East. We have to be talking about oil, and and Israel's there for to do our to do stuff for us. I think that there are, are, are uh, you know, they're basically uh, an extension of the United States, even though they do their own thing and they will occasionally go off the deep end and do crazy stuff. But see, I think I think, I think it's most. exactly the opposite. I think the the United States has become an extension of Israel. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah see, I, I I'm not I can't. That's too nuts. Okay. I mean, what's the point? What Keep, do they get out of it? We get a lot out of the oil in the Middle East, so it's, it makes more sense for us to be, you know, the, and we're always, and we're doing all this crazy stuff around the world. Uh, I don't see that the Israelis are pushing us around. Let's, I just can't see it. I sure hope not, but Rahm Emanuel does scare me. Yeah, but he's just another jerk off. <laughs> oh, hold on a second. <laughs> That was good. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, John C. Dvorak weighs in on Rahm Emanuel. He's just another jerk-off. I left that clean because people like to use it as their ringtone. I think the your Al Gore from last week is a big hit. As a ring well, tone. the ringtone thing is a good idea. I noticed my uh, stepson, Eric, 
the coder, was uh, saying we should be moving more ringtones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, said, We're crazy not to go some viral with some of these ringtones. Oh, man. And hey, let's talk about um, climate change for a moment. What is that? <laughs> well, sure, you've heard that uh, we're all going to die. Uh, you were right. I, I think you're right again that you said it sounds like they're really desperate to get something moving here. And, um, of course, the whole idea is to dupe everyone into thinking we're all going to die from carbon dioxide. Uh, and if we don't immediately start paying taxes on our carbon use, converting ourselves into what they're calling a low-carbon economy, <clears throat> then we will die, which is kind of a save or create jobs because it's easy to say, if we don't get going right now, we're all going to die in 2012, uh, which may be completely true for other reasons, but I don't believe for climate change. Um, and, you know, if we don't die, then it's easy to say, see, see, uh, but we didn't quite pay enough. We didn't pay enough carbon taxes. So uh, we're going to die in another 10 years if we don't keep it up. And if we don't die, then they'll say, see, it's working. So it's a it's a total scam. And there's a, a big, big, big shindig coming up in Copenhagen. And this is what it's all about. Copenhagen is where is where the, the global carbon tax cap and trade up your poop shoot uh, system is going to be introduced and everyone is out there harping on it. Everyone is just going, going at it. And uh, the papers here, again, the uh, George Mon Monbiot uh, from, oh, that from guy. the Guardian. That yeah. guy's a communist. He wrote a book. Someone sent me a link uh, to his uh, book on Amazon. Are you familiar with his book? I'm no. Manifesto of a new for a new world order. <laughs> oh God! I swear to God, it's a big red book. Manifesto for a new world order. Okay, now I can't. You know, I read that guy, and I just makes. I, it's one of the few writers. I don't read him that much, but I run into his stuff because you know he's in the Guardian, you know, which is a red paper. And so I'm reading this stuff, and I'm look. And it's just it's so. I can see why some people maybe don't like my commentary about the Macintosh, because you actually start your blood starts to boil about halfway through it. Mainly in his case, is because I know how, how to write propaganda, and I can see him using this technique to just to, to befuddle the poor reader. Uh, article from the Telegraph, who are onto this. Uh, what's worrying the, the globalists are all the signs that the world's politicians' coverage on Copenhagen in December to discuss the successor to the Kyoto Protocol under the guidance of the UN, IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. There'll be so much disagreement that uh, they won't be able to get more drastic measures to cut carbon emissions. So the name of the game last week, according to this article, as we see from a sample of quotations, was to win headlines by claiming everything is far worse than previously supposed. Sea level rises by 2100 could be much greater than the 59 centimeters predicted by the last IPCC report. Global warming could kill off 85% of the Amazon rainforest, much more than previously predicted. The ice caps in Greenland and Antarctica are melting much faster than predicted. The number of people dying from heat could be twice as many as predicted. This is out of control. So, so what they're actually saying here, as again, which I brought up in the last show... Is that they don't know what they're talking about? No, it, because if they, they're all the predictions are wrong. Why why aren't they wrong again? I'll I mean, tell obviously you. they don't know what the hell they're doing. When we were um, when Ron and I had our uh, public company listed on Nasdaq, 
you would have to predict, you give guidance for the numbers for your next quarter. And you'd say, okay, we're going to make uh, five. You don't have to do that, by No, you way. don't have to, but it is expected. And that what, what investors, particularly institutional investors, want to see is they want to see you can predict properly. So if you say, we're going to uh, lose five cents a share, then that's okay as long as you don't lose six cents a share. However, if you say we're going to lose five cents a share and you make 15 cents a share, you will get punished because that means you cannot predict and you don't know what you're doing in your business. So that's how it works in the real world, but in the world of climate change, you can just make anything up you want. Anything. Read this article from The Telegraph. It's in the show notes. Uh, it will open up your eyes. There was a, there was a, a whole bunch of dignitaries were in New York at a climate uh, conference, including the... Uh, the current president of the EU, the crazy Czech guy who says global warming is a hoax, and no one reported on it. It's like no one, not a single report. This is why the newspapers are folding. Yeah, because they, they don't suck. Get it. I mean, because why, they suck. They, why don't we get, you know, I mean, you, it's like everything is like directed. It's like there's somebody orchestrating everything, and the newspapers are part of the orchestration. So we don't get a, a broad spectrum of, of opinion. It's all targeted, you know. Everything has got to be this way. It's got to be that way. It's all knee-jerk. It's unbelievable to me. And then these guys are moaning and groaning about losing their jobs. Yeah, well, how about, I, how about just, you I, just I, suck I, at your I job? I can't take it anymore. We'll talk about something else. I'm waiting for, I'm, and it, it, it is possible it could happen. I'm waiting for the first bailout of a newspaper. You watch. That's how crazy this world has become. The government will bail out, even though that would be unconstitutional. It's going to happen. It would be unconstitutional. I'm sorry. Yeah, it has to be unconstitutional. Yeah, like like the Constitution means anything these Won't days. Don't they bail out the Catholic Church? <laughs> oh. Still no uh, no uh, extra reporting on uh, Baxter International. Oh yeah, there we go. There's another thing. Where's these? Where are these stories? I think there was one story on MSNBC had. Yeah, somebody sent us the link, or you sent it to me. Yeah, the uh, so Baxter International, <clears throat> which purposely mixed up um, flu vaccination with bird flu virus, and they have now admitted it was a live virus. <laughs> yeah, so they had mixed up the regular flu vac vaccine with a live bird flu virus. And coincidentally, this is the only company that has a vaccine for bird flu. No, no, it's not the only company. Uh, I've got okay, to Well, it's you one on. of the companies that has a stockpile of yeah. bird flu And deals, vaccine. deals in place, billions and of dollars place, of deals. First, you've got to infect the public. Yeah, otherwise you can't sell it. Because bird flu doesn't seem to be catching on. No, it's uh, the meme is not traveling fa fast enough yet. There's a, there's a, you know, just on uh, on inoculations in general, or or this HPV thing. There's some great links, including uh, finally Katie Couric did a did a I would say a reasonable report, although it doesn't really get into the the true shit behind it about HPV. And you see these kids are getting fucked, man. They they're in hospital beds. They can't walk. They can't. They're paralyzed. It's crazy. And now they want to come out with. Uh, the shot that fixes hay fever forever? This is going to be a shot oh, for everything. God. Oh, yeah. He needs it. Yeah, well, you need it. You need it, John. You need your hay fever shot. Don't you want to be safe? Hay fever forever. Yeah. That's what, let me just go grab the article. It was... Uh... Well, I missed that one. Yeah, it's in the Daily Mail. Um... Oh, it's, this is even better. I love these guys. 
They're so smart. A jab to end the misery of hay fever could be available within just two years. The vaccine requires four injections over a three-week period. How can period. it be? A, you know, it's not how, a vaccine. Okay, never mind. No, please hit me because this is exactly what's so saying, much well, bullshit. Say, isn't a vaccine imply, uh, you know, that there's a uh, that there's a disease that is curing? This is not a disease, an allergy. The implication of a vaccine is that it cures a disease. You're going to get, you know, or some sort of an ailment that that is that is born of viruses or bacteria. The therapy works. Hay fever is not born of viruses or bacteria. It's from pollen. Check you know, it and, out, and, dude. And check it out. No, no, no. Check it. it out. The therapy works by triggering a good immune reaction to counter the allergic response that occurs when hay fever sufferers reject pollen as foreign. <laughs> I think the only thing good about it, if you want to know the why, is you know they just get more mercury into you, more formaldehyde, and probably some RFID chip dust in there, just for good measure, <laughs> so it can track your ass. That's what that's what's happening there. Uh, but the Katie Couric thing is good because uh, you can you know when people say, "Oh, that's bullshit, man," you can just take a look at it. Uh, other news, uh, which I would I immediately believe from the Telegraph, people with higher IQs live longer. This is good news. It's because they look left and right before crossing the street. <laughs> you know how many Americans are plowed into by cars in England? Yeah, you know many, how many stoned Americans get run over by trams in Amsterdam? Exactly. Tons. Yes. Uh, Ron Paul's, Congressman Ron Paul's bill to audit the Federal Reserve has 28 co-sponsors. We're getting some traction. That would be really fun to watch, wouldn't it? Uh, never going to happen, of course. Uh, HR 1207, go ahead, call your congressman or woman. All right, him. well, you're on the subject of Ron Paul. I have a story here that we ran. No, is, is, this, is this about uh, Ron Paul supporters or terrorists? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. That's a good one. All right, this is on the blog, dvark.org slash blog, and if you can go to the blog slash NA, you can contribute to the No Agenda show. Please do. Okay, I'm just going to read this to you. A new document meant to help Missouri law enforcement uh, agencies identify militia members or domestic terrorists has drawn criticism from some uh, and some – I'm sorry, I'm trying to read into the sunlight here. It's drawn criticism for some of the warning signs mentioned. Apparently, uh, according to this report, the modern militia movement, it mentions such red flags as political bumper stickers for third-party candidates such as U.S. Representative Ron Paul, who ran for president uh, last year. Anyone who talks of conspiracy theories, that's a red flag. Such as the and that includes the plan for the super highway linking Canada to Mexico, and right. also possession of subversive literature, whatever that means. Subver oh, so now now what are we going to do? Burn books next? I, the whole thing is ridiculous, and the thing is, is I'm surprised they have, they're not. They're I'll not, be right there. Yeah, really. Oh, the, the, uh, I, we will get harassed, dude. But it comes in different ways. It's usually IRS. They do that with me all the time. Let's just stick the IRS on this fucker. Because they, yeah, well, they got guns. They got guns. We already had our run-ins with the IRS, so it's, it's not going to bother us. Tell me neither. Um, I'm done. Fifty grand a year in trouble. All right, there you go. So, uh, which is another reason we need more uh, more money contributions. To, pay, to pay the fines. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that Ron, I'm surprised Ron Paul hasn't come out about you know mentioning something like you know this is like just a, a front. 
I mean, what, you can't have a third-party candidate? You're a terrorist. Yep. And if you have subversive literature, what was it? Uh, if you talk about conspiracy theories, this is outrageous. You know that it's confirmed now that the troops uh, in Alabama, that they were deployed, but they don't know who deployed them after the shooting? Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's been confirmed. Yeah, then, but the troops were... So here's, here's what the police commissioner says. Hey, you know, I didn't call them in, but they came anyway, and it was really good because they helped deal with traffic. <laughs> Well, at least this makes him useful. Okay, you take that corner and you direct traffic. It's illegal, so, uh, dude. It's illegal. Yeah, it's, I know. It's totally illegal. But they, they're, they're, I think it was Bush or somebody who passed some sort of a measure that quasi-legalized it. No, as, uh, as, lo- as long as, uh, as the, if the president says, okay, this is a uh, – because th- what they changed was the term. So it can be any terrorist act, any act of God, or anything that's, uh, that we consider fucked up. Then, then we can call in the army. That's basically what they did. So it remains- what's weird is that guy goes off and shoots a bunch of people and shoots himself. So what do you need the army for? To direct traffic. It's just to get you used to it, man. That's what it's about. Just to get you used to it. Um. Well, hopefully, uh, Ron Paul himself will uh, take action against this kind of thing. I think there's something else kind of weird that's going on. These, you know, there are these tea parties that were kind of started with uh, the CNBC dude. What's his name? I don't know. Who? Yeah, yeah, the guy who went off. The Kramer? No, 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 no. The guy who went off about the losers and... Oh, that San- Santilli. Santilli, or... Santilli, yeah. So this this whole tea party thing kind of started, but I, I, I question that. I don't know anything about this. Tell me. Well, so he called for, like, do a Boston Tea Party, only do a a tax day tea party, um, you know, basically little protests. But it does, it does, I'm not quite, I can't put my finger on it, but it doesn't feel right. It feels like kind of a disinfo thing. I'm not quite sure yet. Well, maybe it's a, it's an entrapment, entrapment to find people who would go along with this idiot's, idiot's ideas and then, you know, get, take their names and put them on the terrorist watch list. You got to watch people closely. Um, for our Australian listeners, and we have quite a few of them in the land down under, and they're very happy. Um, WikiLeaks uh, got a hold of the secret Australian blacklist of banned websites. That uh, the, uh, with, is that Australia or Austria? Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. We have, we, most of our Austrian listeners are underground. <laughs> they're in the cellar with the family. <laughs> they don't have time. Um, and so the, yeah, you go to, there's a link in the show notes, of course. But um, on this list, and this, of course, is to protect the children so that the entire country cannot access illegal websites, which would probably include hookers. Uh, but it also includes online poker sites, fetish, satanic, Christian sites, Wikipedia pages, gay, straight pornography, a travel operator, and even the website for a Queensland dentist. This is what's going on <laughs> down under. You know, it's crazy for anyone to think they can actually filter the internet. I mean, for for all unless we all physically say, "Okay, I'll take this pipe instead of that pipe," it just won't happen. You can't filter it. 
Yeah. No, but you can make it you tough can make it for some tough. people who don't care. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, you know, you th- always think, well, I can always get this information because I know how the Internet works. I can use a proxy server. I can run it through a uh, Tor network and through an onion, and I'm out the other end in uh, some place in the middle of yeah, nowhere. And, and you know what? And we're all going to help each other like that. If it comes to that, we will. All, if it comes to it, we'll string all of our Wi-Fi boxes together and create a mesh network. If it comes to it. If it comes but, to it. But most people, my point is, is most people don't care. You know, so they can't get that dentist's website, you know, and they can't get, you know, some Christian website. So what? I mean, they don't care. They're, looking, they're Googling something about knitting. <laughs> about uh, Denise Richardson. No, not Denise. Is that her name? No, I don't it's remember what her first name is. Liam, uh, no, Liam, Liam Neeson's... Wife. I, yeah, that was a horrible story. Horrible, yeah. I saw. I, I thought it was creepy, and I, I pointed it out on Twitter, and a bunch of people, wow, how is it creepy? It's creepy because this woman takes a little spill, and the next thing you know, she's dead. On like a beginner slope. Yeah. Yeah, hold on a second. We missed, uh, missed the cue. And now, back to real news. So how about that, Richardson, huh? Yeah, it's terrible. My wife pointed something out that is like, why didn't they make sure that because she died in the you know the right age and everything to donate all her organs because they would have been you know they're perfect to do. Uh, when I die, I'm not giving away my organs. Well, your organs aren't going to be worth much. Oh, thanks. I hear you now. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. No, no, you just got to burn me and smoke me. On to what other news do we got here? Well, uh, I don't know. What's, I, I got some a couple more things, but did you take any notes? Yeah, it was good. What do you think I've been going through here, but you don't want to talk about any of this stuff? <laughs> All right. You want to talk about ACTA? Because we have some new info on ACTA. Yes, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. ACTA is, of course, the... What does the acronym ACTA stand for? Uh, American Center for uh, Tits and Ass. Advisory Committee on Intellectual Property Rights. That doesn't sound right. The hell does it mean? Anyway, uh, so we discussed on the last show, this is a new world uh, global intellectual property right agreement. And uh, the documents, the actual agreement, has been classified as top secret, uh, cannot be obtained through freedom of information requests through our transparent government, Uh, Because it is, quote, a matter of national security. However, there are a number of organizations who who do have the documents, and uh, they are on the advisory committee. Let me just tell you a couple of these um, organizations' names, and it might become clear why this is all a big secret. So I don't know that, well, obviously the Intellectual Property Alliance. I don't know the Gorlin Group. I do know Time Warner. Yeah. Um, I do know Cisco. I do know Eli Lilly and Company. That would be a drug company. The U.S.-China Business Council, Anheuser-Busch, the beer people, now owned by Belgians. Wait Uh, a minute. What are they doing on this list? Dude, the secret to a good beer should be protected. That is national security. I don't give a shit what you say, because otherwise you get that stuff made with rice. Uh, but the best one I would have to say is uh, Monsanto. That was kind of my fa- oh, that's kind of go. my favorite company. Who's uh, the whole list, by the way, which is about uh, tw- twenty or thirty different names. 
uh, Crop Life America, Dow Chemical. I'm sure this somehow has to do, you know, all of all of uh, all medicine has a, a patent life, just like music. I'm sure they're going to change these worldwide so that uh, you know the uh, you do not have a choice and you have to pay for very expensive medicine, basically made from natural stuff. Uh, and your food is patented and trademarked uh, through uh, Monsanto. So uh, when uh, when they forbid you from growing stuff through the new new uh, organic food act, then you can only buy your seeds from Monsanto, a pre-approved seeds, and you'll have to pay for them every single year, a royalty, kind of like a subscription service to food. You'll be licensing your food. Yeah, exactly. Could I license uh, half a chicken and uh, some tomatoes? So this is uh, this is of all of the things that are irksome. This one really, really pisses me off. And uh, I, I'm hoping the guys at WikiLeaks or someone will just get these documents. We just need to publish them because I'm sure, with all the shrouded secrecy that surrounds them, that they're up to no good with that. Yeah, well, that's pretty obvious. They're up to no good. So. Um... Back to real news. <laughs> oh God! It takes so long. And now you gotta have a button. To I, well, give me a copy of it. I gotta set up the button. You're right. Uh, looks like Anne Sophie Pick was awarded the maximum three stars in the new Michelin Guide, and she's the fourth woman in history to ever win the honor. And she cooks. She's a uh, chef in uh, at La Maison Pic in southeastern uh, France in the town of Valence. Hmm. Or is it Valence? I'm not sure. So we need to visit there. I think uh, we need to uh, do a little recce. Yes, I think that we should go to uh, southeastern France <laughs> and have some of her sea bass. A specialist in fish, her signature dishes include sea bass caught in coastal waters and steamed over wakami kelp, served with a Gilardo oyster bonbons, mm. cucumber chutney, and vodka and lemon butter sauce. Mm. Now, speaking of which, uh, you know, Patricia's in uh, in Holland for two days doing uh, PR for the uh, for the new series of shows, and so the doorbell rings. And it's uh, a guy with a heavy uh, northern accent, UK northern accent. And he's like, uh, you want to buy some fish? And uh, th- we don't have a fish market uh, nearby. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I-, I love it. Here, we get door-to-door guys all the time. You know, we have a real milkman who delivers the milk in the morning, you know, and then takes the empty bottles. You know, the old way, like uh, good times. So I'm like, yeah, so tell me. So I get to talking to these guys. And it's two guys. They got a boat each. They go out for two days, and they go up all the way up off the coast of uh, Scotland, and then they come back, and then they go sell it for two days. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're, you're kind of out of luck because you know the lady of the house really does uh, all uh, all these types of purchases. You know, let me uh, let me see what you got, John. They had the mo- and it was literally because they don't they only come by once every two months here in uh, in London because you know they're they're hours away up north. God, I bought uh, Dover sole, sea bass, uh, salmon. Uh, I bought 10 kilos worth of fish and put it in the freezer. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was right out of the sea, man. It was just, oh, it smelled, you know, it smelled like 
like real fish, you know, not stinky, yeah. but just, oh, it was, it was well, wonderful. It shouldn't be too stinky if it's fresh. And, you know, but, so, and I said, these guys, you know, as high as business, he says, it's so shit. I said, what do you mean, people don't want to buy? He says, no, no, people want to buy, but I'm coming back with half the amount of fish I used to. It's just gone. There's just no more fish. Well, it's a cycle. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Yeah, it's an 80-year cycle, unfortunately. My children and my grandchildren will not eat fish, but it's a cycle. Okay, they Don't can worry. eat fish. Monsanto's poisoning those waters. They can have some Monsanto fish with two heads. <laughs> Three eyes. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, but these, these people got bird flu from eating fish. How is it possible? You know, the funny thing is, you know, the Simpsons used to have a, a fish... Uh, a pet fish called Blinky on the show for the first, I don't know, five or six seasons. And it was a three-eyed fish that was caught outside of the uh, uh, nuclear uh, facility of run course. by Mr. Burns. Yes, of Excellent. course. Ex Excellent. Smithers. And so this, this, so this fish, this three-eyed fish, uh, they got so much, apparently Fox got so much flack from the uh, one of the agencies that you know that regulates uh, these power plants about this about this fish <laughs> that they dropped them from the show oh wow that's how it works in mainstream media well it's just because they keep harassing and harassing come on what about the fish you know they go out and, you know having dinner with Murdoch hey Rupert how you doing oh pretty good uh, hey man hey who's picking up this check <laughs> well you might as well because we're losing all our money because of that three eyed fish you keep putting on the air oh alright I just will wind it up with uh, a big fail moment uh, from Gitmo Nation East which was just too funny you know we have a, a new police chief the new big man on campus because uh, Boris Johnson came in and said to the to the uh to the police chief that we had, he said, you know what, I don't like you. <laughs> you should leave, <laughs> literally. So this is how he left. So the new guy's in, and they did a huge dawn raid with helicopters, 80, uh, 80 police officers, and they bust down the door to catch the villain, uh, and he'd been arrested uh, two days earlier <laughs> on some minor charge. He was already in jail. And these guys are busted down the door with a helicopter. Keystone overhead. cops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. All right, you got any final words so we can get out of here? No, but at the end of uh, April, the two of us hope to meet up in Amsterdam uh, on Queen's Day. And I'm in the process of getting hold of the guy who is the head of Gomio's uh, Holland operation. Uh, this reviewers similar to Michelin, I, I, who I think I have, is a little more. Uh, I have kind of maybe bad news about that. Uh oh, you're not going to make it. I think. I think we might have a board meeting scheduled for April 30th. Huh. So well, you won't be making it. I'll be hanging out with the head of the uh, Gomio uh, and a bunch of people at probably some of the finest restaurants in uh, in Holland we can find. I think uh, I might have to do. Uh, this board meeting via telephonic conference, perhaps, from my favorite coffee shop. So, uh, <laughs> just thought you should know. All right. Thank you very much. It's highly appreciated. All right, here we go. Yes. Dude. I got through just about everything. Yeah, I'm looking around here. I only had a few other things. I went to a big wine tasting uh, the other day. 
Oh, do hundred Bordeaux wines. They had all these Bordeaux. These, these guys, I don't know how they can afford it, but they flew all these small vendors, our small winery guys, over to uh, San Francisco. And I guess they did this in New York too, to, for with a hundred different, you know, inexpensive, cheap Bordeaux's to see if we could, you know, they can get some interest in some of these uh, obscure wineries. It was actually quite interesting. That's about it. Can I uh, give you a quote that hopefully will uh, be used in association with my name for many, many years to come? Okay. Because I was thinking, you know, everyone laughs about Bill Gates who said uh, 640K should be enough to run any computer program you want. Is that the exact quote? I, I, the exact quote is something. Here's the story. You want to hear the, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, interesting of course. part of the story? Go ahead. Go ahead. It says 640K ought to be enough for anyone is what is the quote. And Bill, if you ask him nowadays, uh, he denies this. That he said that he's ever said it. Hmm. And I'm reminded of when I worked at the San Francisco Examiner, there's a story that's going around that, uh, and by the way, we can't find any evidence that he uh, said in a that. newspaper or anyplace else that Bill actually said this. Hmm. So I'm reminded of the story that goes around, or what used to go around the San Francisco Examiner newsroom, which is that uh, the day before Marilyn Monroe was killed, apparently Bobby Kennedy was in San Francisco, and there's a bunch of photos of him that are missing, or ended up missing from the photo archives of the, of the newspaper. And there's no proof that Bobby Kennedy was ever in town, which has always led me to believe that Bill Gates somehow killed Marilyn Monroe. And that Bobby Kennedy said 640K should be enough for anyone. That's a possibility. Well, I'm going to tell you that you should be able to control the world with 140 characters. <laughs> Twitter is the new command line. It's back, and people know how to use it. Well, I hope they appreciate what you're up to here with our automated radio station. I hope so too. Well, the good news is the feedback. I just listen to the to the station, and then I'll, and I hear if people like it or not. <laughs> just tweet. Well, you're going to get a lot of that. Well, yeah. Uh, you know what we could do eventually, if it really gets out of control, we can make it only if if we follow you, so we could have approved people. I mean, there's all different ways. No, but you could have a parser. Yeah, 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 yeah. We still need to get that. Uh, we need the butler for the library who can write the parsing programs all day long. Well, there's a guy out there that would love to write a parser for a Twitter feed. Well, I already, so, yeah, I, just, I, I already wrote one. Word. But I already wrote one. I don't mind the cuss words. It's funny when you hear the voice saying. Okay. Well, <laughs> wait, what's you. the what's the web? I'm sorry. What's the website again that I go to 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 put a message in? No, all you have to do is just uh, Twitter no agenda stream. No agenda stream. Yeah, and it'll read out your name. And obviously, uh, you know, I, I try to filter out stuff like URLs and stuff because so, that just sounds lame. <laughs> when someone's reading HTTP, call it. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. So I'm, uh, I'm filtering those out. All right, but, I'll put some stuff in. And listen to it. Noagendastream.com is uh, where you can uh, hear some great music, uh, real news, and uh, your comments and feedback. And uh, I'll keep improving on, uh, on that stuff. Uh, and, so, and we're going to run into a couple problems, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it on Sunday. I, I can't do Thursday, so we'll have to do it next Wednesday, I think, if that's possible for you. Yeah. Okay. We don't have an all-hands meeting, do we? Oh, we probably do. Uh, well, but I think there's a good excuse to, to not go. That's right. We have to say, excuse me, we're saving the world. Uh, you're doing what? An all-hands meeting? Okay. We're saving humanity, making the world a better place for our children. Or something like that. So what's going on Thursday? Uh, we have a big UK producer meeting. Uh, Moody's flying out. Uh, it's going to be a whole full day. It's going to be fun. Mm. Okay. Uh, 
ChannelDvorak.com? Yeah, ChannelDvorak.com, and also go to Dvorak.org slash NA and help out the uh, this podcast. And uh, also, would it kill you to tell a friend? And if you don't oh, want yeah. to... We need more. We yeah. already need to... Re- yeah, there's probably... Everybody who listens to the show must have at least one friend who would enjoy the show because... You tell know, them you, that you, we have real news about hot, pregnant, vegetarian, vegan chicks. Yeah, you can't got, go wrong. Can't go, can't go wrong. In fact, I should make it the album art. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, thanks a lot, man. Good talking to you. Uh, coming to you from Gitmo Nation East and Southwest London, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm here in Silicon Valley North, the place that doesn't exist. I'm John C. Dvorak. And we'll talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda.